The Chicago Bears have a real chance to win back-to-back games for the first time under Matt Eberflus. But they're going to need to keep Justin Herbert under wraps and keep making life easy for Tyson Bajant. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use our promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we put together a Chicago Bears game plan for how to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll start with what this improving Chicago Bears defense needs to do against Justin Herbert and why it might not be too bad to be able to keep things in front of the mirror. This is not the high-flying Chargers offenses of the last couple of years. They've been a little bit light and a little bit slow in terms of getting things going and trying to finish for four quarters. So we'll look at what they can do to not let Justin Herbert slice and dice them up and down the field. Then we'll turn our attention to Tyson Bagent and this Chicago Bears offense going up against a Chargers defense that is struggling pretty heavily and to the point where they're considering firing their defensive head coach. And we'll look at what they can do for Bagent and what Bagent needs to do himself in order to get his second win as a Bear starter. We'll wrap up looking at some of the biggest injuries on the injury report this week that could shape this weekend's final results. And of course, some of the key matchups that are going to be influenced by some of those injuries, depending on who plays and who doesn't. Usually we start with the Bears offense because, you know, we're always wondering about the quarterback situation and how we can get this offense going. But I want to start with the defense in this game because to me, I think the Bears offense will be able to have some decent luck and decent success against a struggling Chargers defense. It's a matter of me of, of how well they can hold down Justin Herbert and company and not let this become, you know, a shootout type situation with Herbert versus Bajent. And when I look at Justin Herbert, and what he's been able to do and, and where he struggled sometimes this season. One of the things that stands out right away is how teams have tried to cover the Chargers and where Herbert has succeeded and struggled. And in particular, Justin Herbert has been great versus man coverage this season. And you see him make his mistakes versus zone. It's not that he's been terrible versus zone, but he's like been particularly efficient versus man coverage, taking care of the ball, making big plays, high completion percentage, high yards. I think he's got seven touchdowns, zero interceptions versus man. And then, you know, all four of his interceptions are versus zone this season. He's completing like 75% of his passes against man, which is, which is high as well. It's a completion percentage above expectation there and still averaging like eight, nine yards per attempt. Like he has been really good at, okay, if you're going to lock up my guys in man, I can see that developed all the way downfield and I know where to throw it because I don't have to like anticipate where other people are going to be in zone. Fortunately, we know Matt Eberflus loves to sit back in zone anyway, so don't expect this to be a matchup where the Bears start locking these guys up in man-to-man coverage. It certainly shouldn't be a matchup where you lock these guys up in man-to-man coverage. Keenan Allen is a great route runner. Maybe he's not as explosive as he was 
when he was a little bit younger and he's had some injuries over the years, but like he's still an effective route runner. You got a big body on the outside in Quinton Johnston, who's a first round pick for them, 6'3, 215 pounds. He can win versus smaller cornerbacks one on one. And of course, Joshua Palmer's kind of their deep threat speed guy replacing Mike Williams. And he's pretty tall too. He's a pretty long, you know, vertical receiver. So, like, those tend to be guys that are a little bit tougher to keep up with one on one in man coverage. I certainly would have some confidence in Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson and Kyler Gordon as well in the slot doing some of that stuff, but why make it more difficult than you need to when it seems like zone tends to be an easier way to pass those guys around a little bit and not ask your guys to be one-on-one heroes here. It's not that you play 100% zone, but it's just sort of like, hey, it might be easier to sit back and I don't want to say get conservative here, but like don't let them hit deep shots over the top on you. You know, if you're if you're going to be in like press man coverage, sometimes you can be vulnerable downfield. Don't give them the big plays. This is an offense that wants the big plays that, you know, it's kind of have those explosive offensive passing plays make up for, you know, some of the times when you're struggling to run the ball or when the underneath throws aren't really hitting for you right now. Some of the same things we talk about with Justin Fields, right? Where it's like when you can hit a couple of those deep bombs, it, it, it really eases any of the other mistakes or shortcomings you might see elsewhere on the field. I will say Herbert hasn't been as dialed in on some of those deep throws this season as we've come to expect. I think that's part of why we haven't seen this Chargers offense be even more in, in, uh, even more explosive and dominant, but they have been able to get some things going. And to me, really, the middle of the field, the deep throws is where he struggled. Like he still, it's the deep left sideline that he goes regularly. He takes those shots to, to Josh Palmer in particular, uh, but like the rest of the deep areas of the field, it, it's been kind of a struggle for him. You know, three of his four interceptions have been on deep and th- middle of the field throws. I think two of them were deep and one of them was intermediate. Like he, he's having trouble sort of dialing in over that area when he's got the sideline to work with and he can kind of put it where only his receiver can get it or it goes out of bounds. You know, he, he can have a little bit more confidence and trust and, and, and accuracy precision in where he puts that ball, but middle of the field has a little bit more of the, the wild West for them. So I, I would look for, you know, the cornerbacks to be ready for the deep shots on the sideline. And if you're playing too deep zone, like get to the sideline because middle of the field has not been their strong suit. Running game-wise, this is a downhill rushing attack for the Chargers. Like whether it's Austin Eckler or the other guy whose name I always forget, uh, Josh Kelly, they run, it's like inside zone and it's duo. You know, it's gap scheme runs downhill or it's inside zone. And it's mostly up the middle, right? They'll, they'll have runs that go to the outside, but it's almost always like bouncing a run to the outside that was designed to go up the middle, but then, you know, the cutback can be to the outside as opposed to like the Bears offense where we're seeing a lot of like tosses and these stretch zone runs where they're intentionally trying to get to the outside. The Chargers offense is downhill, but you can bounce it outside if you want to. And so it's going to put some stress on certainly Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. You know, this offensive line wants to get upfield as opposed to flowing sideline to sideline like the Bears. They want to get upfield and get contact on the linebackers early to create bigger lanes for these running backs to work. And so you're going to need your two linebackers to be aggressive coming downhill and taking those guys. And you're going to need your defensive line to be stout and at least hold on to those blocks, right? If you're going to get double teamed by two linemen, you're, you're the nose tackle, make sure that one of those guys can't come off of the double team to get to the linebacker. You know, you as the nose, you don't have to split the double team and get in the backfield and make the big tackle for a loss. You just have to make sure that you're strong enough that they can't reduce from two guys to one guys and still block you. Like they keep both guys there. So your linebacker can run free behind them. Like that to me is what it's going to take to stop this running game in particular. And one last note on, on Herbert and, and the passing game, when it comes to like pressure and, and sacks on the quarterback this year, this Chargers offensive line struggling a little bit. And it, to me, it's been a lot of like all or nothing, or it's kind of like quick or nothing. Like there hasn't been like 
an inordinate amount of pressure on Herbert, but like when they do get pressure, it's quick. And a lot of that quick pressure converting into sacks at a higher rate. So it's like their, their linemen are either getting beat right off the line or Herbert's, you know, they beat and beat right off the line and the pressure's right there and you, it's a quick sack on Herbert or they're not really getting beat at all or Herbert's getting rid of the ball quickly enough. You're not getting a lot of plays where Herbert holds onto it too long and then gets sacked at the end of the play after his line had blocked correctly for three or four seconds. It's either, you know, quick pressure or it's not at all. And so there's a chance for the Bears to get some sacks on Herbert, not just pressure, but like those when they do get pressure, it's more likely to convert into a sack in this game. It's just got to be quicker pressure than the Bears have been getting up to this point this season. And that's going to be the real challenge for this defensive line. So on the other side, the Bears offensive line is going to have a real challenge with this Chargers pass rush, particularly the two edge rushers on the outside. We'll get into what they need to do for Tyson Bajant to help him have a successful second start next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you haven't played with FanDuel before, now is a great time to get in on the action because right now FanDuel is going to give everyone $200 in bonus bets when you place just a $5 bet. You bet $5 on anything. Your first bet at FanDuel, whether whether your bet is correct or wrong, you, you win your bet, you get your winnings plus $200. You lose your bet, that's okay. You still get 200 bonus bets dollars added into your account to bet on anything across FanDuel Sports, not just football, all of sports. But right now, Bears Chargers, Bears are eight and a half point road underdogs. I like that Bears spread there. I think the Bears can keep it to at least a one one possession game in this matchup. The money line for the Bears on the upset is plus 350, and the over under is set at 46 and a half points. So if you like those odds and you want to get your free $200 in bonus bets, head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off your NFL season with 200 extra dollars. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We saw Tyson Bagent play well in his first start. The Bears didn't ask him to do too much, but he did everything they asked him to do and operated the offense efficiently and effectively to a victory. Like, that's great. That's everything you wanted from Tyson Bagent. We do wonder what will happen if and when he needs to do more for an offense, but I'm not totally convinced this Chargers game will completely be that. Like, there might be moments if they get into a shootout with Herbert, you know, if this Bears defense starts struggling again and all of a sudden it's 21-21 or 28-28 and you need points at the end, like maybe maybe Bajent will have to do more. But I think in terms of how this Chargers defense has struggled, I think there's some room here for the Tyson-Bajent offensive formula to have more success. Like we've seen it, right, over the course of this last game. Run the ball effectively, get into second and medium and third and short situations so you don't have to throw downfield, and then allow Bajan to take what the defense gives him, throw checkdowns or short underneath throws, and allow your receivers and your playmakers to make plays after the catch to do some of the heavy lifting after the catch and not make Bajan have to throw pin-perfect, precise downfield you know, explosive passing plays and let the receivers do a lot of that dirty work, make the job easy with the running game and, you know, let Bajan's pocket presence make up for some of the offensive line deficiencies that you might have. I think we can see more of that working against the Chargers because the Los Angeles Chargers are the worst screen defense in the NFL in terms of success rate, in terms of, you know, picking up, you know, five plus yards and, and certainly touchdowns they've given up on screen passes this season. They're really bad at the screen pass and, we all know the Chicago Bears run a lot of them. 
In fact, they run the second highest rate of screen passes of any team in the NFL. I think only the Jacksonville Jaguars run a higher frequency of screen passes. You look back at recent Chargers games. Uh, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders had a big screen. Uh, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys had a big screen or two. Uh, the Chiefs had two touchdowns on screens. And one, I think Pacheco had a big one, and I think McKinnon had a big one too. I don't think McKinnon had a touchdown, but they've given up screens and big plays. Uh, they've given up yards and big plays on screen passes, this Chargers defense. And with Roshan Johnson practicing this week and looking like on track to return from his concussion, he's your best receiving back out of the backfield. Luke Getze loves to run screen passes. I think there's a very clear formula that we're going to see a lot of that on Sunday night. And I know in the past we've been frustrated by it, but it feels like good strategy this time if you can operate it. And you have to be smart about when you do it and how you disguise it. If you run it three plays in a row that all look the same like we have seen this season, it becomes a little bit less effective. But if you're smart about it, these screen passes can absolutely be a big part of this offense. Like It just doesn't feel to me like Tyson Bagent needs deep shots to beat this Chargers defense. You look back at the Chiefs game last week with Patrick Mahomes against the Chargers. I think Mahomes had two deep completions above 20 yards. He had a big one down the left side and a kind of a shorter deep one up the middle. Like It's like a 24-yarder and then like a 40-yarder. But it wasn't like Mahomes was firing these bombs all over the Chargers defense. It was hitting the underneath stuff and letting guys make plays after the catch. And then you know he was able to hit a lot of like those intermediate mid middle of the field, you know, those backside digs that we saw Tyson Bagent hit a couple of against the Raiders, maybe not quite as deep, and they were more like in the 10-yard range instead of the 15- to 20-yard range. But like I think Bajan has enough arm strength and smarts to be able to attack the Chargers in a lot of the same ways that Patrick Mahomes did, not to compare those two at all, but just in terms of the, the offensive strategy. Like, yeah, don't worry about the deep shots. Like, you want to take them just to make the defense respect them, but you don't need the 40-yard bomb explosive play to beat this Chargers defense. You can, we, you can beat them with yards after catch, with screen passes, with underneath stuff, and with the running game and taking care of the football and making Tyson Bajan's life that much easier because the, the real concern for me, especially when it comes to the deep shots, is this Bears offensive line, largely because of the injuries. Like, right, they're seeing them start to play better against the Raiders. You know, They looked like a more cohesive five-man unit with Whitehair back at left guard and Tevin Jenkins back at right guard and now Lucas Patrick in at center. But Larry Borm at left tackle is still a backup quality offensive tackle going up against the combination of Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And of course, on the right side, you've got Darnell Wright, who has been has been solid and up and down. But last week against the Raiders was clearly playing injured, especially in the second half. You can see he's not he wasn't using his left arm hardly at all to block guys. And it's hard to be effective. And he was kind of ineffective for a lot of that when he's trying to block Max Crosby with one arm or one and a half arm. Like he kind of get the shoulder up a little bit. But whenever he could, he was just using one arm and using his body to block. And so he's missed practice on Wednesday limited in practice on Thursday. And I do want to get into some of the more injury situation stuff here in just a moment here. But like the offensive line is going to play a big role in this with two really good edge rushers on the other side. Plus actually they've got some decent edge rusher depth. We heard yesterday from David Drugemeyer from Locked on Chargers about their rookie Tuli, 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 I can never say his last name. Tuli, Tuli, Tui, Pulotu is how I'm going to try and force it out there. The USC rookie has been really good in the rotation for them as well from that edge rusher spot. They've got some depth there, and those guys are, are both really good against the pass rush, but also really good in run defense too. And like that's, that's a bigger part of the – not a bigger part of the concern, but like a part of the concern that I don't think we talk about enough. Of course, we're concerned about those guys collapsing the pocket on Bajent, but Bajent has pretty good pocket presence and an awareness to get rid of the ball and not take too many hits and sacks. But to help Bajent the most, 
need to run the ball effectively. And the Bears have been run blocking very well, but this is going to be a stout group that they're going up against, particularly on the edges where the Bears like to run the ball. Seems like the, the run defense has been pretty solid the last couple weeks. They got gashed a few times early in the season, the Chargers did, but the last few games, it seems like they've been able to kind of settle in a little bit in that area. They're pretty stout up front as well. Former Bear Nick Williams in the middle of that defense. And so that's going to be really critical to this for, for Bajan. Again, staying ahead of the sticks because it's when you get into the, when you add the penalties and the lack of running game and it's third and eight, third and 10, third and 12. I mean, we saw even last week against the Raiders, the Bears weren't able to convert very many of those. And we don't want to have to ask Bajan to throw 15 yards on third and 12 because it's a tough thing for any quarterback to do, let alone an undrafted free agent that maybe has some question marks about arm strength, right? Is that the, is that the fair way we can categorize it? I'm not, no one's here to say he has a weak arm, but the fact that they put in Peterman to throw that Hail Mary, and we haven't really seen Bajan attempt accurate deep throws yet. His only deep throw we really saw was against the Vikings that was underthrown really badly and picked off. Like, we, can we say we have question marks about his arm strength? Not that it's definitively weak or bad or not good enough, but we just don't know for sure what he can and can't do in terms of really driving on the ball accurately downfield. So the, the more they can stay ahead of the sticks, the more they can run block successfully against a good front in the Chargers, the more success Bajant should be able to have. A lot of that's going to be injury contingent, not only on these offensive tackles, which we'll get into in a moment, but a couple injuries on the Chargers as well to keep in mind for this game and how they're going to shape some of the biggest matchups that decide who wins and who loses. We'll go through them and what we need to know for this game next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because prize picks puts you in complete control. Unlike some of the other daily fantasy platforms, you know, where you're setting a lineup and then you have to determine whether your lineup will will beat any of the thousand other lineups that you're in and you have to be the one first place out of a thousand to get money and all that stuff. With prize picks, you're in complete control. Prize picks sets projections for every player and you pick two to six of them and whether they'll perform better or worse than their prize picks projections. And if you get your picks right, you can win up to 25 times your money. They got projections for Tyson Bajant. His prize picks projection is 203 and a half yards. Justin Herbert's is 265 and a half yards. So you, you pick those two and, and whether each one will be above or below their prize picks projection. If you get your picks right, boom, you're making some cash. So you can put your football knowledge to the test and and win and have a lot of fun. It's really easy to sign up as well. Literally takes 60 seconds or less to make your picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's an extra hundred bucks to play with at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Our locked on bears podcast is also brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is a super convenient way to get all of your food needs brought right to your door. You can get your groceries delivered with DoorDash. If you don't want to try and rush through the store right before kickoff, when, when everyone's trying to get to the store right before kickoff, or certainly you know during a game, you can have some food brought or, or your meal. You, know, you can have your pregame lunch delivered to your house. You can have your halftime meal delivered to your house. And the best thing about it is it's a great way to support a lot of like local restaurants and businesses in your area. I mean, certainly in Chicago, there's no shortage of great local restaurants and and most of them are on DoorDash. There's a lot of different ways, you know, you can get your Lumanati's pizza and all that stuff, but you can also get your little neighborhood hole in the wall, whatever your area of the city is. DoorDash is going to have restaurants for you to choose from. And if you sign up with our promo code LOCKEDON23, you're going to save big on your first delivery. You get 
50% off. Up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter in our promo code LOCKED23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on a first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter our promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. We still have one more day for the injury report to improve, or I guess worsen, for either team. But as it stands right now, it's really unclear who's going to play offensive tackle for the Bears, who's going to play safety for the Bears in this game, and whether or not, well, really both safeties and both offensive tackles are kind of the two main spots. I guess we still got to see for sure. Roshan Johnson still needs to be officially removed from the concussion protocol as we as we see it today, but he's been practicing in full, so he should, in theory, be good to go. But Eddie Jackson has been limited in both practices Wednesday and Thursday with a foot injury that kept him out of last week's game and has kept him out of other games this season. Seems like kind of a back and forth thing. He's healthy. He's not with the same foot issue. And so when he's limited, it's hard to say, is he going to be good to go? You know, if he had played last week and then was limited this week, I'd expect him to play again. But he didn't play last week. So limited could be severely limited and limited could be just a little limited. And so like the fact that he didn't play last week makes me feel like assume he's not going to play, but maybe he will as opposed to assume he will play and maybe he won't. But you're certainly hopeful to have Eddie Jackson back, especially if Herbert wants to take a couple of deep shots there. You'd love to have Jackson back there instead of Elijah Hicks. But your other safety, Jaquan Brisker, has not practiced all week with what's being listed as illness. He he suffered a concussion against the Raiders, but Matt Eberflus said like on Monday that he had quickly cleared concussion protocol, so he thought he'd be good to go. But now he's out with illness, and of course we don't know what level of illness that is. Could it be a stomach bug for a couple of days and then he's good to go for Sunday? Or, you know, your other cornerback, Terrell Smith, has mono and it's going to be out for multiple games here. And that's also listed as illness. Let's hope let's hope that um, Jaquan Brisker didn't catch mono from Terrell Smith. But, like, we don't know what the extent is there. And so then it's hard. If he's not practicing at all, we don't know if he's going to be able to play. I mean, could the Bears have two backup safeties against Justin Herbert and the Chargers this weekend? Like, that would be concerning when they want to go deep with guys like Josh Palmer. Although, Josh Palmer also missing practice for the Los Angeles Chargers this week with a knee injury. And he is kind of their their more frequently go-to deep shot guy, like because he's got more speed. Like Quinton Johnston is a vertical guy too, but he's more the 6'4 long vertical, like high jumper kind of vertical, like, you know, downfield receiver as opposed to Palmer's got a little bit more of the length and speed to take the top off a little bit more. So Palmer's the guy he's been more comfortable throwing downfield. And they don't really have a lot of great wide wide receiver depth. Like it's Allen, it's Johnston, it's Palmer, and then... You know, that's that's kind of about it for productive guys in that offense. And their tight end, Gerald Everett, has also been hurt. So they got Donald Parham as their backup tight end. But they could be thin at the pass catcher, which would only put the Bears defense in a better position to be successful in this game. And one where, you know, you can find those matchups to be a little bit easier. Like, I, I'm curious about Tyreek Stevenson versus Josh Palmer on some of those deep throws. We've seen Stevenson be really good at the catch point sometimes. And we've seen Stevenson sometimes get burned. And play and catch up there and give up a big play here or there. And so, like, that's that's the matchup I'm curious about. Because I think we all kind of trust Jalen Johnson versus Keenan Allen. Like, yeah, Allen will get some catches, but he's not going to go all out. And he's not going to have a 10-catch, 100-yard type game going one-on-one with Jalen Johnson all game. And, you know, Jalen Johnson's not going to shut him down completely, but he's going to make some good plays, too. Like, I think we kind of know what to expect there. But it's the Palmer versus Stevenson, especially on those deep throws on the left sideline, that is a little bit more volatile, a little bit more up in the air. The one where it's like, 
you can see Stevenson having a great game against him. You can see Stevenson getting beat a time or two against him and it causing a few problems for this Bears defense. So that's one that I've got my eye on if Palmer is able to play. Less worried about his backups. Maybe maybe Quinton Johnston having a few inches on Tyreek Stevenson, but I think Stevenson's better against bigger receivers than, than faster receivers in that regard. Uh, on their offensive line for the Chargers, a big one, that, that a big injury that's been affecting them all season is their center, Corey Lindsley, is on injured reserve, I believe. Yeah, he's on injury, or the non-football injury list. I don't remember what the designation is, but he's out. And their backup center, Will Clapp, has not been very good. Not very good in pass protection, not very good in the running game. And so it's time for Andrew Billings to keep eating. He's had a great season at nose tackle, but maybe the rookie Jervon Dexter. Right? We've seen the last couple of games, he's had some really nice pass rushing reps. You know, can he get a good matchup against a backup center and be that stout, explosive, physical nose tackle? I mean, he kind of rotates at both tackle spots, but your defensive tackles against this Chargers center in particular is where you can find the best matchup. But the offensive line as a whole has some vulnerability here and should be, should be a spot for this struggling Bears pass rush to try and get some kind of things going. One other quick matchup I'll throw in, kind of the reverse of what we were talking about with the, with the Chargers offense, where it's like, we know what Keenan Allen versus Jalen Johnson is at this point, and I think we kind of know what DJ Moore versus Asante Samuel Jr. is. Yeah, best corner versus best receiver on both sides. Like, probably not going to shut him down, but probably not going to get, you know, lit up for a bunch of yards either. It should be a good back-and-forth battle there. But the other spot, Darnell Mooney or maybe Tyler Scott, who's had a really good connection with, with, with Tyson Bajant, going up against the other Chargers cornerback, Michael Davis. He's been a little bit more of the weak link on that back end because Samuel's been really solid. So it's like, oh, well, why are we going to keep throwing at him or Derwin James? Like, let's throw at the former undrafted free agent who's been starting for them, who, you know, I think he was suspended a couple years ago and started on the practice squad with them and was, you know, kind of been in and out. But he, he's a guy who I think you can really get at, especially with Mooney's speed. He's kind of a longer corner that's not as you know, fast. He's not slow, but, you know, he's not as explosive of a corner. So a guy like Mooney might be able to put a nice move on him and blow by him with some speed and maybe get open for Tyson Bajant that way. I think it's been, uh, we're about due for Darnell Mooney to really get going and get him more involved in this offense. And this feels like a good matchup for him to be able to do so. And if not him, Tyler Scott certainly has the same, I mean, they're not the same receiver, but also has a lot of speed to be able to match up with somebody like Michael Davis and get something going for the Chicago Bears offense. So those to me are the big matchups and injuries that are really going to be important in deciding who wins this game. And I, I don't know, I really feel like the Bears have a good shot at this one. They can keep up what they've been doing the last couple of weeks and not revert back to their early season selves, which is a big if. But if they can play like they did against the Raiders and to some extent like they did for the first few quarters against the Vikings, like they've got a real shot here. So let's see what they can do. Let's see what Matt Eberflus has in store for us on Sunday night football. Whatever happens in that game, you can be sure. We'll break it all down for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. We love our everydayers that tune in five days a week for your daily Bears fix. Coming back on Monday for your next opportunity to bear down.